Welcome everyone to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesa, and alongside me as always is Paul Gilleary. Here we are, Paul, once again. And today, as y'all are listening to this, it is the, what is this, the 17th anniversary of the release of the eponymous Avocado album, Pearl Jam. The self-titled album that apparently was never actually self-titled. The moniker of the uh, the beautiful green. Is that a fruit, a vegetable? I think it's a no, fruit. I think it's a stone no, fruit. No one can ever decide, Jason. Well, it's not like a tomato where it was up, it was up for debate for a minute. You know, the tomato well, is obviously a fruit. Everyone knows uh, that. <laughs> Come on. It it is um it is a medium sized evergreen. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I'm, I'm going there. Yeah. So <clears throat> the avocado is a medium-sized evergreen tree in the laurel family. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fruit that comes from the foliage is what we eat. So an avocado is not a vegetable. Tis indeed a fruit. Ah. Well, what a fruit it is. Yeah. What a way to start off the show. Uh, talking about fruits. Um, welcome. And we thank you for coming on and joining us and 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 listening and and you know uh, reversing the conversation online. And so this is a, a circular uh, uh, conversation, I guess, uh, as opposed to just me and Paul going back and forth. And um, we put it out to you guys, uh, I guess, yesterday. Uh, well, no, it last last episode, but yesterday there was a post about um, reviews and you know, as Paul says, feeding the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And we put it out there, and you know. If you write a review for us on whatever platform you do it on, and we always ask you to do it, but Paul, we decided to up the ante and, and give a prize to a to a review. A, a well-deserved reward, I would say. So the lines are still open. We've already gotten a few in, and my word, you guys are incredibly articulate and kind. Oh, I feel like Sally Field <laughs> accepting an Academy Award. You like us. You like us. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's really very very kind words, honestly, so no, far that yeah. we've received, and, and the contest is yet our, our yet humble over. our yeah. humble thanks and gratitude, no question. This is the community. So what am I? Mm-hmm. Why am I surprised? I'm not surprised. Um. So uh, thank you. That that is still open. If you want to write a review and, and put your name into the hat for this copy of Long Road by Stephen Hyden, um, then do that, and we'd appreciate it. All right, let's get into it. Enough with the other nonsense. You guys are you guys know the drill. Um, this week, since it is the 17th anniversary of Avocado today, we figured we'd make it very avocado centric. Hence the fruit discussion at the top of this show. Now, one thing that we've done, Paul, before, I haven't done in a while, is write a new set of lyrics, a new song, if you will, based on lyrics already from the album. So basically mm-hmm. a Frankenstein of sorts. Um, I think I feel like we've done it for verses and binaural, maybe? I think those are the two ones we tried. But I can't well, remember because it's been a while. Before we do that, uh, I'm going to ask you a question, oh, and okay. I, want you to, I want you to answer Honestly, without thinking, you're not allowed to process this. I want a gut reaction. I don't process anything. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Yeah. Pearl Jam, self titled, Mm -hmm. avocado, Mm -hmm. worst album cover of all time, yay or nay? It's pretty bad. Okay. (laughs) 
I mean, even Brad was like, um, okay, <laughs> sure. That was an interesting. I, I remember that he was kind of like, kind of cagey on like how honest he wanted to be about what he really felt about it. Uh, but yeah, that would, yeah, not great. Not great. Yeah. I understand not wanting great, to, not wanting great. to alternate like color schemes. Yeah. You know, if you look, if you look at bands, discographies, studio wise, they're usually very different. Um, from the color palette from one to the next, because it kind of changes the branding of each cycle, you know? Right. So I get that. And they were like dark and dim and brown and rust and black on Riot Act. And it was like, hey, hey, pops of bright blue and green. Well, there's some fantastic like art in the liner notes, you know, with the puzzle pieces and stuff. I mean, I, I and think we got some amazing posters from that tour too. Yeah, we did. There, there was a, a lot of tremendous art that came from this era of Pearl Jam. And uh, for whatever reason, they, they went with the avocado as the <laughs> listen. We're not here to talk about the avocado, we're here to talk about the music. So let's jump in. Okay. All right. So, as the guy who's been who's done nothing but talk about the avocado. Hey, I'm here, I'm the here beginning for it. Of I'm show. here for it. I like a good banter. Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna each we've all we've we've gone to our corners and we've compi- compiled the lyrics in whatever way we see fit. The arrangement is whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be uh, usual verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Then it could be. Um, and then uh, we'll read each other's. Well, no, we'll read ours to the other person, and obviously to you guys. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we will get into most essential song. Oh baby, from this album. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, who's going to go first on the uh, on the song here? Uh, I don't have a coin to flip, so why don't you go first? I've been blabbering on here. That. I'll do that. So listen, uh, I thought about trying to really carve out some lyrics that would present as this cohesive composition, mm-hmm. and what I'm finding is that in many respects, this album was put together lyrically in a way that adopts the points of view of various characters mm. and their pers- and, and their perspectives. Uh, in a lot of ways, perspectives on what it means to be an American in 2005 or six and four, whenever all these songs were being recorded, that era. And uh, I felt like there are some outlier songs, like, like Big Wave and maybe even Parachutes. Or, but in many ways you start to get a sense that there's a lot more underappreciated poetry in these lyrics. I don't think that that the lyrics of this album have actually received the, um, the accolades and the appreciation that they probably deserve. So I took more of like a, of an I'm open spoken word poem approach. Ooh, I like it. To this where it's not necessarily chorus pre-chorus refrain bridge things like that it's very much just me going through the album and i i challenged myself to do so in chronological order and it was interesting because you when you do it that way you start to find a through line and you start to notice which songs really don't fit the composition of the Mm. album Mm. um and i thought that was noticeable in in many ways though uh it was the album was reminiscent to me of uh of a record like 10 in the sense that there was an aggressiveness to it. Uh, there was some social commentary, but also there were these uh, deviations, yeah. these thematic deviations that kind of, kind of, you know, veer into personal attachment and, and love and, uh, you know, loss, things like that. But it was, it's a more mature album in this respect. 
so when, when you start to mine the territory that these lyrics are are inhabiting, you start to really develop a, a greater level of wonder, I think, for what's happening in this record. Wonder that for me, when I first heard it, kind of get got lost in the production. I feel mm-hmm. like the, it, it was just it was recorded too loud to me. And, and it was fuzzy and it was just, uh, I mean, you could have it on the lowest volume dial and it still felt like it was pounding under your ears. And so I, th- I think the, the, the remix did a much better job of kind of bringing out the, the dynamism, the dynamic qualities of, mm. of these, of these songs. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try, I tried to capture some of that theme and dynamic quality in this spoken word, uh, composition which is comprised of a, a series of lyrics in chronological order from from the first song to the last actually and that was the challenge i i wanted to see if i could pull off so here we go <clears throat> you're always saying that there's something wrong i'm starting to believe it's your plan all along and in all the madness thought becomes numb and naive consider me an object put me in a vacuum free of all conditions free of air and friction like a tear in all we know once dissolved we are free to grow there is a sickness a sickness coming over me like watching freedom being sucked straight out to sea and the solution well from me far would let it be but the delusion is dangerous to me all the troubles when combined with the missing links it don't feel like home now yeah so this life is sacrifice to a stranger's bottom line. No more upset mornings, no more trying evenings. This American dream, I am disbelieving. I'm not frantic. I can feel it coming. Darling, you'll save me if you save yourself. Underneath this smile lies everything. All my hopes, anger, pride, and shame. Finn. Holy shit. Profound words from Mr. Edward Jerome Vetter. And uh, when you when you assemble them in a way that's spoken word, it really, really feels prophetic in a lot of ways. It feels there's a profound nature to these lyrics that just arrested me. They left me stunned. And I thought to myself, man, this has been there all along. And you, 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 know, you hear it in isolation in certain moments of these songs. But when you start putting it all together... I developed this this brand new perspective, this vantage point that uh, is seen through the lens of this record that I don't think I had ever looked through before. I think you're right, though, when it comes to the music on this record, I don't want to say overshadows the lyrics. One could say that, I guess. But as someone who responds to the music almost always first, um. And there was a lot to like on this record from my perspective. Mm-hmm. The, the, a lot of these lyrics, um, I don't want to say I forgot about, but they don't, they didn't hit the same way as to when I was reading them. I had, I had all the tabs open on my computer, right? Of every single mm-hmm. song on the record. And I'm reading through them to find, okay, I'm trying to get inspiration of a, what my little narrative is going to be. And mm-hmm. two, you know, which ones pop out that would fit amongst other ones because i was trying to find you know a, a bit of a through line and you obviously you you found one and you're right you you spot these moments these couplets or, or a stanza and they go wow that was there this whole time like i've sung it 
a number of times in my right. car or whatever, wherever or at the concert. And I don't, you don't think about it. And, and that's the beauty of the lyric of the week that we do every, each week. But when you, when you do it in mass like this for the right, the, right, the new song exercise, it kind of doubles itself and, and it's even more profound. I think um, the way that you kind of went about it makes me feel almost like you were taking the gigaton, like whoever said approach to lyric writing, where there's almost, you had no, um, repetition but whoever said had very little itself so it it, when you first said i go okay it's got kind of a modern approach at least modern how ed has been writing um to a degree so i dig that and it was very um i i could i could see it in my mind as you were saying it to me so i dig that um as we get further in this episode you'll kind of i will work backwards kind of how i got to this point because i did this exercise last of all the things that are in this episode and so that that all those other elements got me to where I am for this uh, song. So mine's a little bit more um, traditional-ish. There are some, it's not just verse chorus, but there's a couple other things happening here. Right. So you'll, I won't say verse chorus, but you'll, you'll understand and I'll explain at the end. So here we go. If I keep holding out, will the light shine through? Under this broken roof, it's only rain that I feel. I'm near to death, here to die, scared alive. And in all the madness, thought becomes numb and naive. So much to talk about, nothing for to say. Let me run into the rain to be a human light again. Let me run into the rain to shine a human light today. I'm not blind. I can see it coming. Looks like lightning in my child's eye. I'm not frantic. I can feel it coming. If nothing is everything, I'll have it all. Let me run into the rain to be a human light again. Let me run into the rain to shine a human light today. Walking tightrope high over moral ground, walk the bridges before you burn them down. If I don't lose control, explore and not explode, a preternatural other plane with the power to maintain, like a tear in all we know, once dissolved, we are free to grow. Wake the guitar solo. Wow. Let me run into the rain to be a human light again. Let me run into the rain to shine a human light today. Another wicked guitar solo. Wow. I escaped it, a life wasted. I'm never going back again. Repeat under solo till we're done. I love it. There's a, a, in a vulnerability and an urgency in the first half of the song. And you see this um, progression and this transformation, so to speak, where the speaker essentially finds uh, salvation is the wrong word, but uh, redemption or, or or some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. And um, I like it. I like it a lot. I think yeah. you, you, you really wove a, a narrative there, a character driven narrative. I mean, that's, if you guys have been listening to this show before, you know, when we do like the resequencing, the retracking of the albums, that that's, that's my thing. I'm all about creating that. What's, you know, what's funny, Paul is I am terrible at like writing stories like any kind of journalism class or 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 TV production and my, my 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 livelihood is is in television production i'm just not the best with creating a story like out of thin air but assembling something i think i'm pretty good at and so that all the all the all the words right there for me are just the chop and change and yep. so that's so for me this was a lot of fun and i cre- i was able to create that narrative so yeah that that arc of I'm I'm in the I'm in the dumps and I but I gotta fight my way out of it. I I don't want to have ever be a negative impact on anybody's life, even though my life is not great and 
you have that kind of up and down, but ultimately ends up and you fight through it. And that's to me what this record was really about. Um, and you put it really, really well with the whole from a number of American perspectives, mm-hmm. you know, fighting through some shit to get some positivity at the back end. Um, and obviously interesting coming from the time period when this was all written, middle of the Bush years, which obviously Ed was not a fan of. Um, and you get a lot of that. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along, as this entire episode will be very avocado based. But I'm curious what you guys think. The uh, Obviously, yeah, there's a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And then I have kind of like a bridge interlude thing and then a couple of solos because, you know, you got to have Mike ripping ass on this. On this. <laughs> no, not, I guess not ripping ass, but... <laughs> Ripping, <laughs> ripping ass would be a completely different thing that we won't touch on. Um, oh man, anywho, so I mentioned it before. Um, by the way, yeah, let us know in the comments what you think about uh, our, our our lyrics in quotations, and w- and would love to hear hear some other variations here. Absolutely, if you've got if you want to participate in this and play along, uh, create your own set of lyrics. And by the way, I only I used every song but two. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't use comeback. I didn't use um, big wave. There might have been one more that I. I think I skipped. It was an outlier, but I skipped parachutes and big wave. Okay. To your point about them, kind of, sort of not fitting into the rest of what was happening there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, give us give us your version of this because I find this supremely fascinating. But now we move on to a segment that is something we've done a number of times before. It is the essential song. It is basically what's the song that that makes this album? What is the song that if somebody had never heard this album before, and you had to play them one track that that spoke for the album, the captain of the album, let's say. Not necessarily the best one or your favorite guitar solo, but like what represents what this is all about the best, I guess you could say. So most essential song. So um let's flip it around. I'll go first this time. So okay. My choice for most essential song on the record is Life Wasted. Mm. The second single from the record, it's clearly a song that the band felt was important musically and thematically. Um, It brought about the first narrative music video since Do the Evolution. It's catchy as hell. Uh, Maybe my favorite chorus of the record. And that's in that outro, baby. I mean, the outro, the outro is so good. Uh, Obviously, there's a slight fake bonus point deduction because it fades out unlike the demo version that was leaked i know we all are not well at least us on this show are not fans of fading out but you know slight deduction however despite that the music is upbeat it rocks wicked solo at the end like i mentioned and some of the album's best singing is enough to make it top tier on the album and i I think there are a couple other songs that are maybe better musically severed hand comeback inside job probably beat it from a musical perspective uh and by the way i know many of you listening are wondering why i'm not choosing inside job it's because at its length it's not as accessible as the other songs Mm. Uh, and remember like i said the most essential song for me is a song that is the best possible representation or the entry point to the album like Mm. you know if you're asked to present the song to somebody is the gateway drug this is the gateway drug song and I think Inside Job is like maybe the second or third track to solidify the album's awesomeness, not necessarily the entry point. Um, maybe a stipulation there. Maybe, Paul, you'll, you'll tell me why I'm wrong. But uh, that's that for me. I'm life-wasted as, as that point. With that said, 
it's the theme it's the lyrics it, it, this is the album opener and it's theme of seeing and experiencing negativity and not letting it beat you is exactly what i think pearl jam is trying to articulate across the album despite the negativity and the cynical tracks throughout i mean think about inside job how how it bookends this song there's a reason for that i think and at the end of the day these lyrics are what ed is trying to say across the entire record it, i mean hell their eponymous record that's important this is who they are i believe that ed is saying this is who we are right now and, and so much so that there's a reprisal that's like a bonus point so wherever it lost for the fade out i think it gets back with the fact that it, it caused a reprisal later on in the record so yeah. therefore i think life wasted those are one points most essential track from avocado paul what say you i think it's sound logic uh, no argument for me, not my pick, but not because uh, I think there's a flaw in your reasoning. Um, it makes sense. I mean, it was the the 13th, you know, tracked at 13, I think, on the U.S. main charts, top 10 U.S. Mm-hmm. modern rock charts. A second single drop from the album, um, I believe, right? And then mm-hmm. it was Worldwide yep. Suicide. So without a doubt, I mean, it, it is very emblematic, I think, of what this record is about. So, All right. So what do you got? Uh, well, interestingly enough, um, the reprisal, I thought, was an interesting segue into what I'm going to talk about here, which is that uh, when I think about early Pearl Jam, you know, I, I think about escapism. There there was, mm. you get a song like Rearview Mirror, you, 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 there's this this feeling of kind of feeling so at one with the world and internalizing so much of it and being tethered to so much of what was happening that it becomes almost overwhelming. And you you find yourself almost uh, at a loss as to how to proceed. And I think that helped inform the aggressive nature of rock and roll that we get on the first two records. Um, I think with this record, we had a return to some of those sentiments, a return to some of those roots, where there was this feeling of helplessness as a response to conditions in this country that were beyond the control of so many. Um, that had led to circumstances and results that were uh, frustrating, I think, for a lot of people. And ultimately, uh, it's the third single on the album, Gone, that I think really reflects this. Um, You know, if you think to what Eddie Vedder said about the music and the lyrics of this record, he said, it's easily the best stuff we've done, but also some of the hardest stuff. It's very aggressive because, again, it's kind of a product of what it's like to be an American these days. And I think that a song like Gone, which starts off soft and slowly builds, um, very much reflects that. But lyrically, I think, is where you you kind of get a strong sense of that. Uh, I actually took a portion of Gone for this exercise that we did with lyrics. So I'm going to read that to, to the listeners one more time. No more upset mornings, no more trying evenings. This American dream, I am disbelieving. If that, to me is not symbolic of essentially the sentiment that is driving so much lyrically on this record. Um, I don't know what is. So I, I, I think on a positive note, a song like Life Wasted, it, it shows the growth. Mm. Uh, you know, and so I, I, that's why I said I, I take no umbrage with that choice. I think it makes perfect, perfect sense. Um, you know, when you think about the themes of this record, Eddie said, it's understandable why someone would like their entertainment to provide an escape. Again, back to that oh, idea, yeah, escape. Yeah. 
from modern day worries and the reality of war. We feel this record creates a healthy opportunity to process some of these emotions rather than deny them. So it's like we took our aggressions and shaped something positive from them in a very direct manner. And I think life wasted uh, is, is, is a flag bearer in a lot of ways for that. But I think gone in a lot of ways is that personal um, conduit to those very same feelings. It was Pearl Jam taking in a lot of ways those emotions and trying to shape something um, from them that was healthier and more direct. And I think it's it, if you're looking for direct, I mean, there's no more direct set of lyrics on the record than this American dream I'm disbelieving. So you know, if you want to write a record that really touches on what it feels like to be an American at a given point in time, I mean, th there you go. So it's, for me, I think uh, gone. And th the only, I think, um, issue that I have with it as a selection, and I, I could imagine that you would point this out, was that when you, when you think about a song like Gone, it's very Eddie-centric, you know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. A song like yeah. Life Wasted was written by Stone, um, but it had more of, a, I think, a, a, a band feel to it. I think uh, Gone is very much an Eddie song in a lot of ways, so I, I could understand you know, somebody hey, saying, well, hold on a second. Rearview Mirror is, a, is an Eddie song. It is, yeah, exactly. So and I, and I, obviously I, I, Inside Job is very much Mike in a lot of yeah. ways, so. I don't know that I that I deduct any points from from for that. Um, I think I, I would say disagreement point first, and then agreement point. Disagreement point is that I think musically it's definitely bottom. Right? I, I, yeah. I think it's bottom half of of the record as far as interesting. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means from what's on that record, it's probably bottom half musically interesting to me. But to your point about the the lyrics that you mentioned, that is exactly what this record is. If not that, every other song is a specific thing that makes you disbelieve in America. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about like what is this record all about, you're right. That's exactly what it's about. I happen to choose the back end of getting through the mire, and you chose the front end of on their way to the mire or on their way through the mire. So hey, listen. I don't have a problem with that choice either. And I, I wonder what you guys think. If if your choice would be either one of ours, if you got a third or a fourth or whatever it is, um, let us know. Comment uh, wherever you comment and uh, we'll continue this chat because I always find these discussions very interesting. And by the way, speaking of conversations being very interesting, the uh, the Discord channel has been popping off over the last few weeks. There's been its own like ranking system and brackets and March Madness stuff. and pie graphs and charts and our, our friend in Australia Farls is doing a hell of a job and it's it's a wild conversation that Paul they actually um have started their own best album side um discussion but in like like a proper qualitative no quantitative quantitative I always mix those two up quantitative like analysis it's it's very cool I must say if you're not in the discord channel go in the discord channel it's a lot of fun all right Enough of that jibba jabba. It's all Let's about the community. <laughs> it is about the community. Let's get to our lyric of the week. <laughs> lyric of the week this week, of course, it's coming from Pearl Jam, and it's Big Wave.
All right, Paul, big wave. It's the last true song on the record for us. What have you got? Oh, man. Um, this is a song that I think I struggle with this one. I struggle with this one. On the surface, it just feels like, oh, hey, this is a song about surfing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's Why it. thoughts it's, on that. I know, right? It's, it's a song about surfing, but there is this organic, um, connection that Eddie has with that experience that, that brings him this, this whole, this holistic, like centering effect for him that helps ground him. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about the ukulele album, so much of, of, uh, you look at oceans, you know, the, the, the video clips around oceans and, and, uh, you know, Eddie on the board. And I think, uh, in a lot of ways, I think a song like this, I wouldn't say it's the most essential on the record. Uh, it, you know, one could say, well, Hey, look, this is an outlier song. It doesn't really fit with what the rest of the record is doing. The counter argument to that is it's very much necessary to have a song like that, because if we're trying to create this productive, conduit of an experience for people to exercise those feelings so we're going to make a record that captures that you need a sense of release you've got to have and Mm. and and there's no better release for for eddie and for a lot of pearl jam fans than that type of an experience so to capture that in the form of song essentially provides the listener with that you know that personalized sense of release that that eddie provides us um so in a lot of ways, I, I see that there's a purpose for a song like this to be included thematically on a record like this. But lyrically speaking, you know, if you want to dive into metaphor and say, okay, well, is there more happening here? Or is this really just a song about surfing? Uh, I think there is more happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the need planted in me millions of years ago. Can't you see the ocean's size? Defining time and tide arising, arms laid upon me, being so kind to let me ride. There's a humility here. There's an ability to recognize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, there's an ability to to recognize um, just how small we are in the grand scheme of things, yet how we get so wrapped up in our big ideas and how we we um, tether ourselves. I keep using that word or anchor ourselves to these big ideas, almost as though they're 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 you know dogma and gospel. And um, we, we, we try to impress upon everyone else that these big ideas are the, the ideas that you must subscribe to. They should define you. They, they should guide all principles. They should guide all legislation. They should guide all judicial decision-making. It's like, well, hold on a second. I mean, it's, uh, the, the, well, let's think more macro and less mm-hmm. micro. And it's funny because those big ideas are you know, thought of as the proverbial macro. But I think when we take a step back, we start to realize, well, hold on a sec. Let's, let's, let's be more human here. Let's take a more humanistic view. Um, and I think that that's the, that's the only way to combat unhealthy nationalism. The only way to do that is to take yourself away from boundaries and flags and 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 start thinking about what are what are the values that helped forge those concepts that helped forge the 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 idea of a constitution the idea to declare independence the idea to fight for civil rights like what what are those things made of because they're universal they're not necessarily um you know 
uh, a proprietary blend of ideas that belong to the U.S. of A. You know, I mean, because they're, they're not. You know, so you would think you would think that freedom was an American thing. It's like, bro, that that or that's <laughs> French, motherfucker. That's, that's it's, not even American. <laughs> it's 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 there's so much happening here. So it's uh, I think um, in a lot of ways this is the, the the song on the record that really pulls back widescreen. You know, and mm. starts taking a really really big, uh, you know, full sized full scope look at uh at a map uh, at you know a, a universal look and it's like well hold on a second like you see that little blip right there like yeah oh, it's, 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 what's happening here are we really fighting this hard over so anyway i like that you're, you're you kind of dipped your toe in a couple places i got i got a whole slew of notes here and i'm like oh he's picking up what i'm putting down or vice versa i guess um but yeah is it a silly little surf song it might be um i'll try and take a deeper more serious approach too, though you know i guess i'm not sure if ed meant it to be this deep or serious but yeah, maybe he did who knows um i feel like this could have been on gigaton or at least they were certainly thinking about the gigaton motifs for a while mm-hmm. um to bring up the earth and all that and this song always felt like something musically they really liked and maybe they needed maybe they needed something a bit lighter considering how uh antagonistic and cynical much of the record is um like maybe it was the last track to make it sort of thing but then again i'm pretty sure there's at least a handful of other tracks that hit the cutting room floor most notably is the song that was a focus of last week's show of the earth so so why why this one why does this get on you know why why stick what feels like it could be a b-side onto this album and right in the middle of it too i mean it sits right in between unemployable and gone two very depressing songs so maybe intentional that it's right in betwixt those two um so yeah i I feel like this is meant to be maybe the palate cleanser you kind of alluded to that uh the palate cleanser of the album like it had to be there um and with that said I think there's some gratefulness here. There's, to borrow your words, some humility that the earth evolution has allowed this subject, Eddie, to have the ability to be who he is, to be able to surf on top of a wave. Like the earth has granted him this ability that, and that humans have evolved to a point that they are able to surf at all. Like maybe I'm reading way too much into it and that's, quite possible but you know with ed i always think there's something more going on and this song usually is yeah unless it's ole and that's which case who the fuck knows what's going on there <laughs> a lot of tequila i think exactly um you know this song was written around the time he was also assembling you mentioned it the uke album and and a lot of that if not all of it was done in hawaii so there there's this humility and there's this gratefulness and i keep coming back to those words of what we are able to do in this world i mean hell ed even harkens back to this on the song invincible you know we have the heavens we have the earth and in between we have big surf like that's the thing that 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 ties us to the rest of the earth is just being able to glide on top of it you know ed's love for surfing is not a secret you know after all he wrote the lyrics to alive while surfing at some ungodly hour so i think the way he lays this out you know i feel the need planted in me like like he like humans were always meant to do this to surf is to feel like you're one with the wave the ocean the earth and i've never surfed because i'm terrified of deep water 
that's another discussion for another time. <laughs> but, but I get it. I get I get what he's trying to say. What when he when he or any surfer talks about what they feel like when they get up on the board, and it's painted with words like Ed Jerome Vetter is able to do. I can understand that connection enough as as, a, as somebody who hasn't done it. And so while on the surface it feels like it doesn't make sense on the record, some might even skip it if they're in the mood for what avocado is there to offer. If you pull out to your point, you get that wider, that wide angle letterbox view. It serves a little purpose, I think. And they, I think they knew that. Yeah, no question. Um, and I think you you raise a really good point, which is that sometimes we we can't get suckered into assuming that there's nothing more beyond the surface with Eddie. Uh, and look, and I think that's part of the charm of it, right? Is that you, it very well could be that. And and that's part of the game of like duping us in. And, you know, he's probably laughing sometimes. He goes, guys, it's a surfing song. <laughs> and it's adorable. How many songs are probably like that? Going, they, down, they, the, going yeah. down the rabbit hole here. But <laughs> yeah, no, we're, 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 we're so in the weeds on this thing because we assume. But, yeah, but so I mean, I think that that's not. the beauty of of you know what he's accomplished and what the band has accomplished is that they they weave this wonderful tapestry, and at the end of the day, it's like you see a stray thread, and you're thinking, wait a minute, is there a reason that's a stray thread? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, you you have to. It just makes me appreciate it all the much, all the much more. Go listen to Big Wave again. Mm-hmm. Go listen to Big Wave, and really put put headphones on. And 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 read the lyrics, and tell us what you think. In the context of the discussion across this episode and and beyond, I'd be curious to see if your perception of this song, this lyrical moment, changes at all. But Paul, you alluded to it a moment ago. We've got to check it out. It's the live cut of the week. So live cut of the week, this bad boy has been played 30 times. Most of them, probably two thirds were played on that 2006 avocado tour. So mm-hmm. where and when are we going? Uh, well, this particular venue, I, I saw this performance. Oh, That is not the only reason why I selected this particular performance. Uh, the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium in San Francisco only holds 8,500 people. It, there's an intimate experience there in that regards when you go, when you go and view a band of Pearl Jam's caliber um, in an arena like this. But it was constructed and opened in it was broke around in 1913, and wow. it didn't open until 1915. Okay, so there is a a tremendous amount of history there. It actually had the the 1920 Democratic National Convention was held there. Really? Uh, yeah, actually, wow. and so the, there's, Who won that there's, one. Uh, <laughs> it's, there's, anybody out there history buffs no uh well i mean you know th- there's a lot of history when you think about how long a place like this had has been open um and i think that it, it was actually renamed in 1992 uh so before that i think it was called something else i forget what it was called i think it was uh gosh i don't even remember there was 
I'd have to do some research on it. I think it was called the like Harvey Milk Ex- Exposition. No, right. I think it was called Exposition Auditorium, and then eventually the the, the SF Civic Auditorium for a while. For the the, the longest stretch, I think it was called the uh, San Francisco Civic Auditorium, um, and then it became the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium. So, when, when did they sell the rights to Phil's Coffee Auditorium? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you, you think though about this this historic place. Mm-hmm. Um, on a coastal city like San Francisco, which I mean, I don't think Eddie's ever surfed there, but I mean, very close to it in Half Moon Bay, you get those 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 maverick waves, right? So it's, I think that in in a lot of ways, there's there's something epic about hearing a song that's big, hearing a record that's big, like Avocado played in, in an arena that only holds eighty five hundred people. I mean, the, the 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 kind of rock that you hear on this record could very easily just power through the forum, you know, or or, mm. or and much bigger, you know. Wembley, if you wanted to. So, uh, so I think this performance of Big Wave at the uh, Bill Graham Civic Auditorium in San Francisco is probably the one that stands out to most. It, it, it's powerful, it's aggressive, it's it's frenetic, and uh, it's supercharged in a lot of ways. So I would say uh, let's go July 16th, 2006. This song's called Big Wave. <laughs>
Yeah, I've got a lot of notes on this performance. You mentioned um, playing a big song in a small venue. Mm. We saw them play uh, multiple shows in a very small venue in LA three years later on the Backstreet yeah. Tour. That's right. I can only imagine it was sort of like that. Uh, I've always thought that the 06 tour is maybe one of the best, maybe top three tours from a performance standpoint. They were hitting on all cylinders in that tour. Um, they broke this song out. They didn't play it the first n- uh, number of dates on, on their tour. They didn't debut it until they got to the West Coast in San Diego. I happened to be there. It was my birthday. And I heard it and I go, that's, that's, well, he told, he said why they waited. Um, and they played it and they played it twice more next two nights that I also saw in LA at the forum. And then you saw it five days later or so. And I can imagine at that point, they've got four or five under their belt and they get to the Bill Graham at this tiny venue. And there's a reason why we love the Japanese shows from 2003, because they have these small venues and they just sounded amazing. This cut was all of that. It was mm. so effing tight. Jeff and Matt, wow. Mike soloing, wow. Stone and Mike, individually, their parts were had so much flair and confidence. Even Eddie in the outro grabbed the guitar and started doing little noisy atmospheric bits on an extended outro at that. I don't recall if Ed grabbing the guitar to putts around in the outro was commonplace. I don't remember. Um, someone can probably tell me if I'm if I'm off base here or not. So that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that stuck out and that it carried the entire time was Matt's backing vocals. He absolutely was in lockstep like it was the studio cut. He was with Ed every single inflection. The mix of their two voices was right on the money. It felt so good. And it's been a long time since I felt like the live cut that we've gotten, and they've all been very good, of course, has has been so good to the studio version from a performance standpoint. And you can talk about atmosphere. You can talk about um, crowd involvement. You can talk about just an individual performance from one of the guys to make that the version that's the live cut. Um, but everybody here, this was a team effort and it was, it was phenomenal. Glad We're you talking about big wave here, guys. This is, this is <laughs> not like a live. This is big wave. This is like, you know, I, I called it a ver- veritable B side for Christ's sake. And here we are talking about how cool the lyrics could be in the context of the song and this live uh-huh. cut and the thing. And my scotch is almost gone. So that's, that's how good this is. <laughs> Fireside chats with Jason and Paul. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Um, I mean, touched on nationalism. We can we can take a left turn here and go wild. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Pivot, pivot, uh, pivot, pivot. For all of our friends, fans out there, pivot. All right, there it is. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this uh, little sort of uh, avocado reunion, little tip of the cap. Uh, you know, we already retracted the album, so we couldn't do that. Um, but there you go. What do you guys think? Uh, do you agree? Do you disagree? You got another take? Let us know. Get in the Discord. Get on Twitter. Get on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you got. Send us an email. And um, yeah, we, we appreciate you guys being here. Yeah. I mean, is this Jason and Paul's swan song to the album Avocado? Or could there be more content in the future? Well, there's yeah, people yeah, we haven't yeah, spoken keep... to yet that yeah, are involved exactly. in the record. That's right. 
I don't know. I, I, I would say the story is not yet fully written yet. God. Paul, what are you saying? <laughs> the tease. Hey, you know what would be cool? Pivot is if you fed the algorithm. By rating? <laughs> by reviewing and subscribing. But specifically by reviewing this time, right, Jason? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's fun, I've heard. <laughs> you know, the kid, the kids tell me it's fun, and uh, yeah, if you if you leave a review, we're gonna choose one of them, and that person's gonna get a uh, a copy of Long Road. And my goodness, one of the ones I read today, I sent to you, Paul. I mean, if that's the level that we're talking about here, it's incredible. It is. What a story! It's, it's, it, it, it's a great work. To it's a great part of a collection. If you're a Pearl Jam fan, I think this is this is one of those uh, essential things to. To bring into the library and say, "Hey, check this out." And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the kind of conversations that Tanya Kang was having with everybody that's in her book, Girl Jam Fan Portraits. I am mine. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of—I don't want to give away that review, but the the kind of conversation that people have, the connection people have—that's what this is about. Um, so there's that, and we appreciate anybody who wants to leave a review. If you, if you want to join Patreon, you can do that too. Links are in the bio. We really appreciate you guys uh, helping us keep the lights on. T-shirts, as always, all that crap. Um, yeah, that's it. Let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, go off and, and you know pay some bills and do some chores and pick the kids up from school and get back to not doing work. And uh, we'll see you here next week. And until we do, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Love and Trust.